Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is Paul Gillieri. I'm punching. Oh, that's a, oh, that's a hard punch. I'm sorry about that. In your ears and <laughs> your headphones. Uh, I'm punching because I'm excited, Paul. You know why I'm excited? You're excited. Uh, I, I, something tells me you have 10 reasons to be excited. Technically 11. Ah. Nice. I like what it you is, did there. Thank you. It is 10 month and we are excited. And this is the first of five, 10 specific episodes where pretty much everything we're going to talk about relates to 10 in some possible way. Um, it is the very beginning of August. And by the time we get done with this, we'll be one month away from uh, Ohana Festival. Um, we have uh, a t-shirt. We have a t-shirt design. It's done. Um, we're about to go to print with it. Um, as soon as I have it in hand, I will show all of you and it's going to be glorious. Uh, before we get into the heat of the meat though, please, of course, subscribe. If you have not already, that is always a big thing. If you would write a review, that would be phenomenal. Again, we will read new ones. Feed the logarithm. uh, Exactly. The, the, the logarithm, the algorithm, the other item that might be out there. It it really helps when you do that. So we appreciate it. And, um, what else, you know, uh, my friend Paul here is drinking a scotch. What kind of scotch you got there? This is a 20-year-old a Tamdu, actually. A 20-year-old? Yeah. It's it's a specialty bottling. I, uh, That's lovely. I'm enjoying it. it. It's delicious. Oh, man. I've got a um, Einstock Icelandic white ale. Look at us. Big fan of the of the Einstock. If you guys out there don't know it, uh, I suggest you go to your local grocer and pick up a Sixer. Yeah, you really should. It's delicious. As a matter of fact, my honeymoon was split between Iceland and Scotland and oh, Malta right. as well. So that's right. That's trifecta. Right. But uh, this is bringing me back. Not that anyone listening you cares. You turn me on to this beer. Was it, uh, was it? Was it me? Who was it? No, it was our good friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It would have been a great segue, but it wasn't. Uh, our friend Will. Oh, I like turn me on to this beer. Yeah, uh, and it's lovely. And uh, my wife does not like beer, but she likes the Einstock. If we were doing a, a it's a, a delicious, easy drinking white ale. It is. Uh, we would have all kinds of sponsor money right now because I'm showing it at the at the, mm-hmm. at the camera. Anyways, um, so what's in this episode? First of our five, 10 episodes, what are we talking about here? You got to ramp things up, right? So what's, what's the beginning of every song? For me, An intro? It's, a riff. it's a riff. <laughs> What'd you say? An intro? <laughs> oh, yeah. Usually. But as far as songwriting goes, Usually, it's a riff of some type. Mm-hmm. So we thought to ourselves, let's talk about our favorite guitar riffs on 10. Is that a bold task? Is that a hard task? Probably, because there are a fuck ton of them. Yeah. But we're going to try. And I also uh, may have asked a couple of friends to send in theirs um, who are good on, on the guitar as well. So I'll yeah, get to we, that. We have some end. honorary guest submissions. Yes, yes. Episode. And I'll explain more in a little while when we get there. But let's just get right to it. We also, are, by the way, are going to do, I said, let's get right to it. And then I 
completely deviated from that by saying we're also going to talk about uh, over under, over under 10. How hard is this going to be? It's incredibly hard, but we're going to do it. We do it for you. So with that, let's get into our top five guitar riffs from 10. We've done one of their albums so far, I think. Mm-hmm. No, that's not true. We've done uh, top stone riffs. Correct. But but and... this is not a specific songwriter. Correct. This is just from the album 10, your favorite riffs. What are they and why? Uh, would you like to start things off, Paul, with number five? Uh, I'd be happy to. My okay, number five go. is the very first riff I ever heard, which is that lovely A chord introducing once. the way that it kind of trickles into that ACD, uh, not ACDC, just ACD. But uh, <clears throat> I, I have to say, man, that it, it, it cuts. It really, really does. And, and uh, you get this master slave intro and you're, you're just curious. I remember listening to the album thinking, where is this going? This is just trippy yeah. and weird. And then that riff comes in and it, it, you know you're in for it at that point in time. And, and it's not like anything I'd ever heard before. Uh, and, and as somebody who grew up in a household that was just constantly playing classic rock all the time, just great seventies and eighties rock. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I heard this riff, I mean, it, it blew my mind. I mean, it was just, it was so intense and and there was a a level of energy and there was an aggressiveness to it that I was not used to. Uh, And and it wasn't a metal esque aggressiveness that this was a whole new brand of rock and, and it fit perfectly with, where I was at that particular point in my life, which is, you know, a teenager. So, it's, so yeah, um, it's, it's outstanding. So I'm, I'm going to go with once. So you went the nostalgic route on this one, not to say that it's not an amazing cutting riff, that little a thing that he does. Um, well, not just that, but also that the, the verse riff going into well. the verse where it's like going a into the verse slotty thing. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I debated it for a long, a long minute there in the way that, I know that Master Slave isn't part of the song, but there's something about how it interrupts Master Slave that makes it even better. Yeah. When I first heard the song live, I don't even know what concert that would have been from. I was like, oh, cool once. But part of me was like, oh, but like Master Slave would have been really cool to like be kind of under it as it sprang to life. Well, the, the uh, neat part for me is I didn't hear the singles. I didn't hear Alive or any of that stuff. Like somebody literally said, check this out. And yeah, this, a yeah. buddy of mine gave me 10 and said, borrow this, go home and play this. This album, is, <laughs> it's killer. So my introduction to Pearl Jam was literally listening to it from beginning to end. And that was, the, as soon as I heard that, I, just, I fell in love. What an I mean, this literally was love at first sight. It's an amazing way or to- Or sound in this case. To, yes. <laughs> it's an amazing way to- be introduced to a band or to an album by like not having any kind of promotional teaser or single to kind right. of get And I think for the longest time, I was very, I didn't want to listen to little snippets online. When like when, when Pearl Jam started to release stuff over the years, I would intentionally try to resist it for a yeah. long time because I wanted to open up that cellophane and pop it in and just, just let it play. Isn't that how you, you know? got, uh, was it Backspace or Avocado? You told me you went to a Target and you're like, you, you yes. any of the releases? I, was I like, wouldn't do any of that. I like, the thing and you're like, no. Nope, can't do it. Can't do it. 
I love that choice. I love once um, as a choice here. Uh, I told you this is going to be hard, guys. I'm not going with once number five. I'm going to go with the main riff from Black. Oh. I'm starting with a softer song, a softer riff. E minor to E, I'm sorry, E minor to A thing. Sustain there's too? obviously, there's, e there's stuff e minor in there. In there right? Yeah, mm. kind of starts around that. Um, more, I say more or less, because he kind of dances through some other chord progressions that are based off an E and an A. Um, this progression uh, and the way Stone changes up the chords within the chords on each pass, yet keeping the melody constant is really brilliant to me. Uh and it's amazing how well this riff allows for everything else in the song to layer on top of it and beside it to create the canvas for Ed to sing over. And I, I, lo- I really love how it kind of twists and turns around the piano lines, which I, I don't think I heard for the longest time. I had to really put the headphones on, crank it up, be like, oh, wow, there's piano in there. And then eventually it changes the or-, or maybe it's organ and changes the piano. I forget what, what, what order it's in. Um, and it also allows these beautiful spaces for mike to do his little hendrix impressions which is you know i'm not saying that the hendrix impressions are part of this riff but i'm saying that the brilliance or part of the brilliance of this black riff is that it allows those little spaces for the other guys in the band to fill in those spaces so it doesn't it's not like you know some rock and roll like punk or metal or it's not, any music might have like a main thing that just takes up all the dynamic frequencies and you're like right. okay this is the song it's, it's definitely guitar based this is it but this riff really lets it lets the song breathe, and I lo- I love that for it. And it, it it sounds very simple when you're listening to it, but it's actually somewhat complex in how he changes each pass through on all four bars. And it's just a really lovely, lovely way to get into a song. And uh, I know it's your favorite song. It is. But I just love song. that main riff. It's fantastic. No arguments for me there, buddy. Where are you going next? Oh boy. This was hard, but uh, I'm actually. The whole thing gonna, was hard, Paul. It, it was. It was. <laughs> this exercise, wow! It burned. I feel the burn. <laughs> so I, I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, with some outstanding, awesome, handy bass work. You're going the bass line. I, I, I'm going with, uh, with with Jeff. Oh, on okay. Go. I thought we were just doing guitar, but let's throw in some bass. way jeff intros why go um mm. it's just it, there's a groove to that right there i mean it, granted it, it's it's not a guitar right it, it's not a series of well chords. i'll tell you what it is a 12 string bass and therefore the lightest of the strings would be in line with a guitar sort of so you're not totally far off i suppose not if i'm cheating i can pivot yeah there you go i can pivot away okay no, you're I'll fine. Go for, no, Go for it. No, all right. So I, I'll stick with this thing. Yeah. So you have you have a song that really talks a lot about uh, mental health and the feelings of alienation and disillusionment and really capturing that the the essence of of what 
rebellious, well, I don't want to say rebellious youth, but uh, disenfranchised youth was go. all about. And I think that this, this particular riff, the way that it kind of like, it, it, it just dances, it kind of has that, like that, that marching beat sound to it. And there's a, there's a, there's a very present and prescient activism within that progression. And I, I always thought whenever I hear that song, it's just, it, you, you can feel the march of that song. And it, it's just one of those types of tracks that it awakens in you this, this outrage at how we live and in, in continue to live, I think, in a society that so frequently institutionalizes and marginalizes young voices because it either seeks to control that energy and youthful vitality and, and that, the, the power of persuasion that comes from just the, the, the invigorated youth. Because, I mean, the, the, the youth will march, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yep. so I, I think the Jeff's beat does a wonderful job of, of capturing that. And I'm not insinuating, this is pure conjecture here. I don't necessarily think he was necessarily trying to produce that. I think it was very much based on just the, the, the construction of the melody and the way things come together as you build a song but nonetheless i mean the fact that i'm able to kind of make those associations i think is a testament to how perfectly situated and how wonderfully composed that progression was on his part do you think uh the jeff uh bass riff came first or that the beat came first from dave cruzen well usually i mean look i'm not a bassist but typically speaking you build your bass off the beat and so mm -hmm. I, I, I would imagine, you know, you hear that beautiful, just kind of boom, 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 right? You hear the intro yeah. drum. And I think that Jeff just kind of laid down what ultimately becomes the, the, the track, the rail yeah. on which this speeding bullet of a train is going to just plow through you as a listener. And I, it's, it's hard for a song to feature a bass riff that can, that can carry that way. If well, there's you two really, on this album. There are, I know, but I, I <laughs> mean, if, if, if you, if you, exactly, if you think about the role a bass has in a song, in this, it, it, it was, it, it really does. It's the. Tra I, I think the analogy I gave is the best way for me to phrase it. If for me, it has always felt like the railway track on which this song is speeding yeah. along. So it's, it's really cool. I, I think it's a. It he. It's a clinic in a lot of ways on what you can do with the bass that it's not about adding accents or solos. It literally provides the foundation for a song. And I think it's pretty neat. Well, my number four is why go as well. And it's the, from mm. the pre-chorus, which is essentially the guitars layering what Jeff is doing. So we're kind of in yeah. the same camp here. Could feel like a cop out because it's simply doubling what Jeff does, um, but you know what? It's on guitar, and there is a bit of a different tone there. Of course, there's a reason why they're doubling it. Um, if they thought it was too similar, they wouldn't have done it. But you know, it, it's a simple-ish riff, but the way that it slides up to the note and then that hammer-on thing is just so silky smooth. But because of how heavy the gain is on the guitars, coupled with Jeff's bass, it comes off as this absolutely massive and it's it's just one excellent groove to what dave is doing on the drums and i i love how it kind of just propels you and you talk about marching that i mean march is a great analogy too i was thinking being on like this 
whipping thing, like, yeah. like almost like a pendulum sort of thing. Um, or if you can imagine like the Doppler effect uh, of someone screaming on a, on a tilt-a-whirl. Right. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. There's a bit of that um, feeling in how when the guitars and the bass and the drums are all going at the same time right before the chorus, it's just it's just super powerful, and I and I love that, and I'm I'm happy that we both had it at four because it was a nice long discussion about Wygo, which is a very awesome awesome groove. Right, no question, my man, no question. So number three for me, is there a song in the Pearl Jam catalog in anyone's catalog that does more with an A minor chord than Garden? Uh, I don't know. All right, well I, I would venture to say that it would be a challenging effort. Because there's something, and we talked about this pre-show, there's something about the, the, the droning effect of the way that chord gets played. It, it, it has a, a trans, it, it transports you. It has that euphoric effect for me as a listener when i first heard it i mean granted the, the effects that are that are played with that chord i think are, are very helpful in the way that it was mixed but and that's something that i think got lost in the brendan o'brien mix yeah yep, yep. Mm -hmm. and we've talked about that that said though the the note itself just playing playing that a minor chord in the way that it's played it really does kind of loop you into this very like a, 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 a trance state and I think that yeah. that works beautifully with the way that Eddie's vocals come in, kind of with that that reverb, that distant reverb. Um, but though everything working together, those two things coupled together has a very powerful um, ability to kind of set tone and mood in ways that I don't think any other song on the album, save for maybe release, is able to do. So I think that for, for a band that wrote an album at a time where you had songs coming out from Alice in Chains and, and Mudhoney and, and Nirvana and Soundgarden, you won't find a lot of tracks like Garden on any of the albums from those bands. And I thought that there was a, a, a melodic quality to that that you, don't, you didn't really hear a lot of, you know what I mean? And it became far more common, I think, in the mid-90s. But early on, uh, there, it, was, it was very sludgy, you know, <laughs> it yeah, was very, very heavy and so yeah. very aggressive. And I thought that the change of pace here with that chord and, and it, it, it's, it, it's just doing a lot with a little. And I think that's why I appreciate it. Well, God damn it, Paul, I agree with you again. Mm. Main, main slash verse riff from Garden, that A minor picking pattern. Can you call it a riff? I call it a riff. Call it a riff. Yeah, I, I think, um, right. I mean, I mean, it's, it's literally just, it's four bars. Uh, the first and third are the same. The second is different, and the fourth is a play off of the second to get you back. So what is to it like? One. Some 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 hammer down or pull off? There's, There's something like, going on. Yeah, like you have, you kind of inverse your your one and three fingers on the okay. on the G and B string, I think, um, and kind of play off of that. And it's just you said the word droning, and that's exactly the word I'm thinking of. Um, now for me, this was a toss up between this riff and the bridge outro riff. With that really heavy one, that that's like um, okay, I, I'm just gonna play it in the in the thing right now. 
there it is. Um, nice. So I, I love <laughs> I, I absolutely adore that bridge outro. It's so effing heavy, and I love how it. And you alluded to, I love how it, it the dichotomy of it against this really pretty riff. Um, in, in in much in a similar way to release this main picking pattern absolutely sets the mood and allows ed to be ed which when he's singing as well as he was back in those days is let's be honest even still today to many degrees is so perfect um and i i have this i have this higher than release because i simply like the pattern better um it's it's a little more intricate and complex and it took me a while to learn to play this by the way it's a tricky little riff to play and i kept messing up because it's actually a bunch of triplets um but the notes are always changing from one bar to the next so you can't like remember okay here's where i go here's where i go here's where i go because it's those 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 triple notes are actually different from bar to bar so it it's kind of a mind fucking on how you play it but it's just so cool sounding and that, that contrast to the chorus and, and the bridge outro that I mentioned is just really, really cool. And I just, I, I've always loved this song and I was really happy when I learned how to play the riff because it's just so damn cool. Sets the mood. Like you said, it's hard to argue with that. What do you got at two, my friend? I'm going with alive. All right. Arguably one of the most iconic Pearl Jam riffs. I think a lot of, of folks would agree with that. Um, Stone really knocks it out of the park with this one. It's obviously a fantastic riff. Uh, it, it's very upbeat. It's a, it's a very, uh, given the nature of the lyrical content of the track, it's very upbeat. But the reality is that this was one of the Mama Son songs that showed up on that tape. So this riff was written first and then Eddie laid lyrics over the top of this. So it's not like, it was one of those, you know, we talked about this, where Stone sees Eddie as his muse. And in a lot of ways, he writes songs for Eddie. Well, this was pre-Eddie. So he had this song, and then Eddie heard it and went ahead and added the lyrics to it. I'm very curious what was in Stone's mind when he wrote the song before yeah. Eddie sent that tape back. As a matter of fact, it would be a cool question to ask him one day, because he made it he may have had he probably had obviously a very different vision of what this this melody this this riff could be about or could reflect or could support in terms of thematic thematic elements well especially so, coming after mother love bone and how exactly. andy wrote songs i mean it's that's it's got to affect you in some way like either he's consciously writing a riff opposite to the tone that that he was or he's just so familiar with it he was just going with it the, feels with like a lamentation to me in a lot of ways but not in the way something like garden or, or release drones it, there's something about the the guitar and the way that it just cries out and there's just a a sad melancholy melancholy stumbling over my words today lamentation present within the riff that i yeah. think supports the lyrical content but the upbeat nature of it allows it to really rock. And I think that that's why the song has endured so much is that it's able to support that energy 
it it's like the Irish wake version of a song in all ways, right? <laughs> well, and think about yeah. how this song has. I mean, we're not going to go on that path. This well, it's today evolved. Because, We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't done Live, alive anyway. as our as our song evolution just yet. But you know, think about how it feels to, to listen to that song now versus what the original intention was. Yeah, especially you know? after Roscoe. For yeah. Sure. So, um, man, we did it again, Paul. Fucking alive, man, rip. <laughs> You That's know, your number two. Number two, a live main riff. Um, fewer riffs are as iconic in rock and roll over the past 30 years, maybe longer than this one. I'm thinking like maybe Enter Sandman, but like how many other riffs can you be like? Yeah, that's 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 amazing riff. It's hard. And everyone knows this one. And every time you hear it, you instantly get a smile on your face, and you're probably already covered in sweat at the show three hours in, tired, <laughs> but, but not out. You know, this is the anthem, man. This is this is the one that we we spoke about this before. When it comes to, this is the song that you prefer. At least I prefer live to the to the studio version because of how it makes you feel live. And again, very simple riff, uh, uh, based in A. Um, it's a clever little hammer on and slide thing. And then again, it has a lot of this, classic rock roots too. It really, oh, of course, it does. And, and and then again, but the second time around. There's a little bend and a pull off implying the G chord, which is so cool. It just brings it right back around that, that G to a, um, that thing is, is so good. And, you know, just, it's just so damn cool. And he simply just palm mutes it during the verses. Um, and then it goes right back, you know, it goes into the, obviously the chorus, but like it, it's when you hear him kind of slide down and just boom, like, come on. Yeah. Just think of a fucking, Les Paul into a cranked up Marshall and just like every time <laughs> you're just you're drenched drenched it's, it's just fantastic number one Paul and I fear we are the same again what do we got yeah, I'm going even flow here buddy you um, son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> You listen to this, all these riffs are fantastic, but here's the thing. There is a passion and an energy and a melodic rhythm that somehow manages to be anthemic at the same time. And I think that on so many levels is what made the, the, the grunge movement what it was. It, 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 that's what made you want to go see these bands live was a song like Evenflow. Uh, it, it gets you on your feet. It gets you moving, but at the same time, it's it's not poppy, and and you're not necessarily you know, Megadeth or you know, you're you're not headbanging to it either. It, it, there's just something so magnetic about this riff. It's really hard to describe. And again, I mean, you think about the nature of the song and how it tackles social issues like homelessness. I don't necessarily, I do think that there's somewhat of a, of a disconnect between the, um, the, the, the lyrics and the music. Uh, I've mm. never felt those two things matched up quite as well as, as, as I would want them to. It's hard to imagine, <laughs> no pun intended. Huh. Uh, but <clears throat> I also think that's why this song carried with it carried with it that frat boy uh yeah reputation that it had 
because you if you just listen to the music and you didn't speak English and Eddie's singing, you would never know that this is what the song was about. The music just simply does not echo any of those sentiments. Well, to your point, it's like an Easter egg. It, it really is. The, the, and I the, think the story and the, and the lyrics are Easter eggs if you it's, aren't paying It's attention. almost like Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. I mean, that everybody yeah. thinks it's this iconic call of, of American patriotism. Yeah. That is not what that song is exactly. about, man. And, <laughs> and, and I think that in many ways, this is their Born in the USA. It, it, it's very wow. critical yeah. in its content. And it, it, it's a killer riff, obviously. I mean, again, we talk about doing a lot with a little... And uh, what is it, E minor, A or something? I mean, it's uh, well, it's in it's, it's a it's an open D, not open D. It's a uh, it's not dad gad. It's dad uh, D A D F sharp A D is the, is okay. the tuning, I, I believe. So I, I believe. Okay. So it's a, it's a it's a basically it's based in D. It's not that challenging of a riff to play. So it's not like you're listening to it and you're thinking, man, look how technically awesome this is. It it's just the way it carries itself. There's there's yeah. a certain bravado about it that there's a swing. There's a swing to it, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's, you know, you get the way Stone kind of hops on stage too. It's it's so iconically Stone in a lot of ways too. So I think uh, for me, it's it's by far the best riff, the best guitar riff I think that you'll find on this album. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you can make an argument that Alive is the better song, but that main opening riff to even flow for me is King. And I just said swing, but like the flow, the swing, the groove, it, it's all in that opening riff. And you you hear, you know, live, you hear that opening hi-hat. And then there it is, that that slide down from the 15th fret right off the top on the studio version and live. It's so bitchy. I, I absolutely love that. And can I, you have to think about this too. Listen to the single version where Eddie comes in first and goes, wow. And then, and then you get the, the riff because yeah. that to me captures the true essence of what makes this riff so awesome. It's even more powerful in that version than it is on the original album version to me. You know, what's funny. The, the single version I hadn't heard in a long time. And then when they oh, put out great. rearview mirror, um, it was remixed or remastered or whatever. And that was the version they put on rearview mirror and they started playing it on the radio. And I'm like, the hell is this like some like outtake of of even flow and then i had to remind my no oh shit this is like the fucking single version from, from forever ago and i just love that version so put on put on river mirror listen to that 2004 remix it's just it's really cool it's more stripped down because there's only the two guitars they recorded it live tape it wasn't like they didn't do a bunch of overdubs and stuff yeah. but you know what what i love about this is that it's so full uh and it takes both stone and mike to do different parts to make it sound like one big riff you know yeah. stones on the bass notes and then mike's flushing it out kind of higher up on the neck and it's just an absolute monster of riff and for me nothing better than hearing that thing and i know guys that that's i'm gonna we're transitioning into our into our overrunners in, in a minute here but this is why this song even though some people are sick of hearing it this is why i stick around because that that effing groove man is just so cool and i can't get enough of that i'm sorry plus you know mike goes ape shit on the solo every single time that's always fun yeah so, he does there we go um those are our top five i think we only had one difference of opinion and that was our fifth right i had black and you had what now uh yeah why go for me and and what black i had why go as, as number five i i think i started no, no you, once you, i started once, with that's once. right I started with once 
Wow, how about that? Not not usually do we have the same uh, the same list there. Well, you know what? I mentioned it before at the top of the show. A couple of friends of ours, they're guitar players in a band. You may have heard called Black Circle. Yeah. And I asked them to give me their choices for top five riffs. And so here is our friend Sergio Filio. My fifth favorite tail riff is Wygo main riff. Even though it's a, a bass riff, the rhythm guitar part plays it uh, for a while in the song. Uh, and it contributes to the heaviness um, and contributes to the swing of the song. So that's why I like it. My fourth favorite ten riff is Even Flow main riff uh, because it's a, a classic one. Uh, it's heavy, it's drop D tuned. Uh, I love to play that live. Uh, I love how it swings with the song uh, and how heavy it is when uh, the palm muted version of it uh, plays on the verses of the song. So that's a, a classic, a great one. My third favorite 10 riff is Gardens, a uh, heavy riff, the one that came uh, before the guitar solo. Uh, it's a classic drop D riff. It's full, it's slow, it's heavy. Um, and it also alternates two different accents, uh, which uh, results in a, a in a certain swing, um, and it has uh, uh, a great uh, feel at the end of the riff that comes to be, uh, that, that becomes uh, the riff for the solo. Yeah, the feel for the solo. So that's great. I love that riff. My second favorite 10 uh, riff is once intro and chorus uh, chord riffs uh, i love that that type of riff uh because uh you strum some chords uh and create a riff with uh a melody inside the chords uh so you you're you're basically varying the chord uh and it also sounds great and it's a a, a classic moment for for approach and it's the opening of their first album so it's one of the greatest riffs in my opinion so my favorite 10 riff is deep's slide riff uh the one that plays over the intro and over the chorus of the song uh to me deep is a very underrated approach and song uh, i don't know why it not, it's not that famous uh but i love eddie's perf vocal performance on this song I love the guitars, they sound chaotic, they have a lot of movement, uh, and that riff, that slide part, is uh, one of the most responsible uh, pieces uh, for that uh, sound, that movement, that, uh, also that heaviness, because Deep is a very heavy song. Um, and so that's why I, I love that, that riff. It, it sounds like no other song. I, I, don't, I don't know uh, another song that sounds like Deep. So that's uh, why it's one of my favorite moments of uh, 10, guitar-wise. There's Sergio's top five. Love now, it. the other half of the equation, of course, is Luis Caetano. And this is what Luis had to say. 
What's up, Jason and Paul? This is Luis from Black Circle, and I'm here to tell my five favorite riffs of Pearl Jam's first album, 10. So here we go. Number five, we go to release, just because it's a simple, great sounding riff. It's ongoing throughout most of the most of the song, and uh, seems like something you could you could be fucking with, just playing at home, not really thinking about it, and all of a sudden you got something great in your hands. So this is how it feels like to me. Number four would be Garden, the the main riff throughout the verse. Uh, I don't know if I could call it a riff, but um, it just sounds so fluid to me. It's an A minor, so it's familiar to everyone, you know, and uh, it just sounds great. It has the great tone, a great touch. Love it. I would say number three is the intro for Alive, just because it's the perfect blend between chords and single notes, and uh, it's way too powerful. You can recognize it on the first note, and uh, it's just epic, legendary. Number two, Oceans, uh, that B part, just because it reminds me of Led Zeppelin a lot, it sounds great. And uh, yeah, that's it. It just sounds great. Number one would be Even Flow. Um, that riff is, to me personally, is the one, the one of the most powerful riffs ever. Is probably one of the most powerful riffs on that album. And uh, it's just something that you can bang your head to and, or you can shake your booty to. You know, <laughs> it's a universal thing. I believe it has the power to catch anyone's ears. So that's it. Thanks a lot, guys. It's really, really cool to be here all the time, every time. And uh, see you around. There you go. Luis Catano. Thanks, guys. Thanks. We love our Black Circle boys. They are uh, in the middle, actually towards the end of recording their sophomore record right now. Um, I don't know the title. If I did, I wouldn't tell you. And uh, I've, I've seen, I've heard a couple of clips. I'm not going to lie. Sergio sent me a couple of clips um, short, like 15, 20 seconds, but things are sounding very cool guys. So be on the lookout for that. I'm sure we're going to talk to them very soon again. Uh, many of them. So there you go. There's the top five riffs from, from me, from Paul, from Luis and Sergio black circle. Let's move on to over under. under we usually start with the overs i mean Good lord this is the hardest thing i ever <laughs> i'm just gonna say it i'm just gonna jump in and say okay, it go okay for it's because it. i this is my favorite album of all time period of any band yeah it has my favorite song of all time period of any band uh-huh so it's it's a it's a flawless album it, it, it there's not there's nothing on this album that i would want changed there's not a single note on this album that I would say, ah, I wish there's no, it's, it's literally, it's amazing. But if I had to pick an overrated and an underrated song, you have to, <laughs> I know, but it is the problem is that no matter what I say, it's blasphemy. So I'm just uh -huh. going to jump in alive to me is the most overrated song. Okay. 
and and, and your own grave. Go ahead. I, 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 are you kidding me? I'm already <laughs> up to my neck in dirt. So <laughs> I don't know how to. Uh, I can't defend this, so I'm <laughs> I'm not gonna defend Try. it. I had to pick a song, and I guess the reason is because uh, I don't think I love the song as much as everybody else does. Mm. I think it's a really great song. It's a really great song. But if you if you said, hey, you get to listen to three songs off 10, what are they going to be? It wouldn't, it's not one of the top three that I would immediately jump to say. And so I think to me, that was a signal that I kind of find the song to be slightly overrated. For me personally, uh, simply because isn't that for most people, like one of the, if not the number one, the number two song? I mean, so, yeah. Uh, as I guess that that that's probably why. Um, I think that, that this particular song here, it's just, I think it unfairly, this and Jeremy unfairly represent the album. And to me, I do not view 10 as an album of singles. Right. It, there's a lot of bands that pump out albums and there's two or three songs in there that, that are, everybody remembers the album for. And you know, oh, this is what drives the sales and let's pump these songs on the radio it's a formula this album is not a formula to me this album was an album and, yeah. and i don't it's to me I, I find it unfortunate that you know this is the song that that people always signal for 10. whereas t i feel like any track off there except for maybe maybe deep which i think if i had to pick a song that that's not necessarily as strong as some of these these all-time hall of famers mm -hmm. i i suppose it would be deep but uh I don't know, man. It's it, it's <laughs> it's not a compelling argument. I do know. You, do because... you think you put it there because we've heard it so many times? Like, what if what if you hadn't heard it more? What if you heard every song? No, and here's the reason why: because I I've heard Jeremy more than I've heard Alive, and that still okay. sounds fresh to me. Got it. I don't know why, and it's, which is bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Because it shouldn't. Because Jeremy is is if you had to pick a song that's dated, in terms of its sonic. Uh, Qualities, I would say Jeremy far more so than a, a classic rock sounding track like Alive, which mm. I think has more of a timeless feel to it. I, just for whatever reason, I, I uh, it's not a song that I necessarily like jumping out of my seat to listen to, even though it's a song that I adore and love and I'm always happy to hear and I would never skip, you know? I, 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 I can't explain it. I guess uh, maybe it was just the time of my life when I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it, this. This is there's, this is not. This is the hardest question I've ever had to answer on this podcast. What's the wow. most overrated song on ten? That's well. We, we like to offer underrated. easy. Here. Overrated. Good lord. Well, we'll get to underrated in a second. There, guy. Calm down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let me dig my own grave first. <laughs> so again, all the caveats you just said. I, I don't. There isn't a note on this record that I don't thoroughly enjoy. Um, however. I have to pick something. Yeah. As are the rules made by us. So <laughs> I'm going to go idiots. <laughs> what is Moans doing? Um, I'm going to go with Porch. Ooh, fascinating. I feel like a lot of people would want to say Alive or Jeremy for the reasons you provided. Um, they're, because they're probably sick of hearing those two for one. And, but for me, that's not a reason to be overrated. Okay. I love Porch, but I think people really love this song for a few things i think i'm plugged 
I, I didn't even think about Unplugged as far as a reason why, but yes, that's another reason why you would love Unplugged because of what went along with that from a visual perspective. Mm-hmm. I think some younger people, um, because Ed says fuck right at the top of the of the song, and that that it's silly, of course. But like, I remember being nine years old when the record came out and we were you know, like, oh my God, this song is so awesome. Partly because we heard a rock song say fuck in the middle and the right and the second word, what the fuck, third word. Is it dumb? Yes, absolutely, because we're dumb. So there you go. Um, now, the more important reasons are the long extended jam. Literally for me is, this is the best part of seeing Porch now is these long ass jams. Um, yeah. They're usually, pretty different um, each time around. Well, you don't know where Ed or anybody else is even running through the stage. Obviously, when they were younger, Ed was really going nuts. But that was what you came to see. You know, you kind of just got through the first 100 seconds of the song to get to the interlude, right? You think so? Well, yes. I, hey, it's, it's your argument. Yes, I do, Paul. <laughs> I'm saying it. Again, love this song. Love everything about it. Um, no but but yeah, I think I think we, be, I, I say that you know being uh, hearing, hearing a song a lot doesn't mean it's a reason to be overrated. But because we've heard Porch so many times, you you stick around for the part that is different, and that is the extended jam. So when I go back and think about Porch on the record, I'm like, ooh, this is a great interlude. But like, man, I wish I was listening to N94, and that gets you to the other part that I think people love is the ending. And the ending is great and it's such a cathartic moment, but it really needs that extended jam interlude to sell it for me now, especially. And the way that it's sung on the record just is not replicated live anymore. It can't be because it's so hard to sing. Yeah. So it, it's hard for me to disassociate the best live versions of this song to what I get, which is a three and a half minute kind of punky, quick, easy song on the record again, which I love. Um, but do you see? You see, you see what I'm saying? I like, know, yeah, I, I understand the argument. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at on porch. And again, I love this. Love this song. You're, you're wrong. Okay. So am I. <laughs> you know why? Because there is no right answer. That's no, why. there is. There is literally no right answer. Well, let's this. go to the, the the easier of the two questions, yeah. which is what is the un. And I we may be in, uh, simpatico on this one too. I'm I'm curious. What is your most underrated song? Oh God, man! This is this this was really fun because there's a few songs on here that I think could could qualify. Uh, for me, it was a, a there's a there's a one A and a one B to this. And mm-hmm. My my one A is Garden. I just think it's it's such a, a chilling song on so many levels, and its its ability to transport you somewhere else, I think, are very unique. And, and there were not a lot of bands that were putting songs together like this that I heard anyway at yeah. the time. And, and it really is it's, it's such an arresting riff at the beginning. The fact that it made our lists and, you know, people a heck of a lot more talented probably than, than either one of us. I, I, no, for sure. Not probably. Definitely two, than either one of us on guitar. Two different riffs yeah. from yeah, two different guys exactly. uh, in Black Circle both thought the song deserved more credit. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, I wish it was played more often. Um, you know, it's funny, they actually tried, they ditched the intro, I think, back in 2006. And the, there are a few live versions right, where they, the, uh, they tried playing it in, in a the different way. The handful of new 
gardens for a little bit there. Right, for a little bit there. Um, and and I, I just thought it was interesting because it, it wasn't exactly a song to me that was overplayed. That, you know, you're thinking, God, we got to play this in a new way. We're just tired of jamming out the same. I, I just think maybe it was the repetitive nature of it. I don't know. It, that, that could have been it. But uh, I, I just think it's such a, a song that, that, that it, it takes you somewhere that no other track on the album does. And the fact that it, it doesn't get more recognition for that, I think, is uh, makes it underrated. My one B would be Why Go, um, mm. for, for a very similar reason. Uh, you know, it, it's a, the type of song that features a, a bass riff that, as I mentioned earlier, serves as a, a path or a track, if you will, to, to guide basically the rest of the song. And, and it's, it's rare when, when you can have a drum beat intro a song and then once the bass kicks in, it's all, somehow it manages to relegate the, the the drums to the corner. And I know what you're thinking. Nobody puts baby in the corner. But <laughs> in this case, that's what Jeff managed to do. And I, I think that was an impressive feat. And so I think that in a lot of ways, based on the, the subject matter of the song, uh, the intensity of the song, in a lot of ways, it, it was a cleaner version of what I experienced sonically from a song like Once. And so I think just if there's a crispness to it that I, I, I think you you really can't replicate anywhere else on the so album. So you, you've cheated and chosen two. Oh, yeah. So. Well, I'm going to go with Garden. Garden <laughs> is my choice. But if I had to pick, uh, you know, a, a runner-up, as it, if you will, I, okay. I would go with, with Why Go. Well, I agree. It's Garden. And um, this song has only been played live less than Oceans from Ted. Yeah. Which is funny because you think Oceans, I'm sorry, um, you feel like Oceans has been played a number of times, but it hasn't. Um, and Garden's been been played only slightly more. This makes me think even the band don't think fans want to hear it as much. Well, I disagree, yeah. band. I want to hear it. Um, and I mentioned it a second ago, the two most prominent riffs in this song are basically in my top five riffs of the album. Um, we didn't mention honorable mentions before, but that... That bridge outro riff from Garden is an honorable mention. It slides just out of the of the top five for me. It's unbelievable. And the, the, the dichotomy of the quiet to heavy, the complex, coded lyrics, the spacey, creepy solo bed, um, and the ultra-heavy outro. There's just so much happening in this song. You're right. It takes you to a completely different place than any other song on the album. It, it's just an epic, epic song. And I don't know if you guys out there know who rick beato is he's um he's pretty well known in the in the music world as far especially in, in on youtube he's got a really great youtube channel he's uh he's like a he's a music teacher he knows his rock and roll and his guitar and his guitar tone amplifiers and all that shit really really well um he is musically as savvy as anybody i can think of and his youtube channel is amazing and he did he has a series of, of videos called what makes this song great he, to my knowledge, he's done two Pearl Jam songs. One was Black, one was Garden. He has the entire catalog to choose from. He chose Garden. And there's a reason why, and I will link to it in the show notes, so please go check that out. But it'll just reinforce why Paul and I think this song is underrated. Well, if Pearl Jam's listening to this podcast, which they most assuredly do not, <laughs> They should go to iTunes because if they look up their own album 10 and see the popularity meter for each song, they will notice that Garden is actually, in terms of purchasing, more popular than Porch, 
more popular than Oceans, than Why Go, and stunningly more popular than Release. Wow. There you now, go. I, would, I would gather that, you know, somebody that's experiencing the band for the first time or has heard some tracks and goes to check them out, they're going to download the hits that they've heard of. Mm-hmm. I think they, they see Release and they see the timestamp at nine minutes and six seconds <laughs> and they think, uh, no, thank you. Not realizing, you know, that the song itself isn't that long. But uh, that said, uh, hey, play Garden more often. Are we going to be, remember the, the, the folks that were holding up the sign for Fatal? Oh, yeah. Right, and and eventually they start. Should we be the 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 garden guys? Are we the I, garden guys now? I think we're, we're the just garden a, guys. We're the garden guys. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing the sign. <laughs> All right, gang. Let's get to our lyric of the week. This week's lyric of the week, not from ten, Paul. It's from a single, and it's wash. There we go. First verse from Wash. Love, 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 love this song. You are a big fan. What have you got for me on these lyrics, my friend? Okay, so uh, th- I think there's two ways to, to look at this song. There, there's Let's just isolate the verse itself and just see where this takes us, or let's look at the verse within the context of the whole song, which I think is a conversation we've, we've had to some degree mm-hmm. um, in terms of really exploring sexuality and gender roles and, and you know, right. um, the, 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 the way the economy and the way that societal norms influence choices that women make. I'm going to go in a slightly different direction with this. Um, oh, please let it rain today. The city's so filthy, like my mind in ways. It was the time like a clean new taste, smiling eyes before me and tears from my face. Where do we live, Jason, Los Angeles? Has this city ever been filthier than it is today? I, uh, I, I, I yeah, can't. Well, hold on. It could be if you lived in like the 70s and 80s when the okay, smog Okay, fine. When they, the smog was in Ireland, a heroin epidemic on, on Hollywood Boulevard. Okay, that's fair. But uh, I, I wasn't alive at that time. <laughs> so, so when we were alive, when, when we, <laughs> since we've been alive, I should, I should uh, you know, add, add a different qualifier there. But uh I don't know how to say this. I just I listened to that 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 opening verse and this this need for cleansing, mm. this 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 need to do this feeling of filth, no matter what it is, what, because you live in the South and there's a, a seasonal hot, humid portion of your life where no matter how many times a day you shower, the second you step outside, you feel like you need another shower. Or me, I was I was at a, a beach house in, in Huntington Beach with my family. We just mm-hmm. did a little getaway for the last week. Uh, you go out, you're loving life in the sand. You just feel it. It's on your skin. It's on your feet. It's it, no matter what. There's there's this constant way that the earth reminds you, yeah, that you come from it, and, and <laughs> you know, salt <laughs> of the earth. And so I, I find it interesting because when it's when it's that type of filth, you know, whether it's folks running through like tough mutter 
uh, you know, you get shots of Woodstock. And, you know, one of these days we'll talk about the documentary that came out oh, about man. Woodstock. You know, I was there, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the documentary that talked about what I really went down, yeah. it's, it's heinous, man. There were some horrific things that were going down at that point in time. And in, in, was it 99, I think? 99. Um, I was only 17, so I wasn't privy to all those things. Thank but, God you weren't. Yeah. But, I mean, you wear... Uh, the beach you wear the mud you you wear any of that stuff it, it it feels natural but there's something about the filth we create you drive around la and you just see just filth everywhere right now and I, I, this is not the only city this is happening in. i, I just think that there, there's there's an element of that as a society and sure some of it's just a byproduct of, of an urban epicenter but i do think that to some degree that there's a lot of political decision-making that goes into creating this. Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's just, it's, it, th there's a reciprocal effect that happens. And I'm sorry, residual is the, the better word. The residual effect I think that happens and it, it doesn't go away is, is you have these smiling eyes and tears from, from my face. You know what I mean? You, you have this, this effect of, of people who are happy with that people who are happy that it doesn't affect them, people who are, are happy that um, it's not happening in their neighborhood or people that are happy that they're able to do this and get away with. I mean, it, there's so many angles by which you can come at this and look at lyrics like this and completely reinterpret them and repurpose them to a different conversation that's completely off topic from the, what I think are the central themes of the actual song itself. Um, I really do feel that something needs to be done in cities all over the place, in every country around the globe that's experiencing what I think is an epidemic of homelessness due to a variety of factors, uh, just to the, the lack of care and consideration for the environment. I mean, we talk about global warming and climate control and, and how many folks there are out there that just deny this stuff and continue to pass legislation as though it's not happening. I, I'm sorry, I just, the, the song Wash, I mean, it's really hard for me to separate that feeling from just the, the filth that we as a, as a species and as a society keep generating and being okay with. And so different angle here I'm, i think when, yeah, I, when no. I pass the baton to you i would imagine that uh, you're going to bring it back home and and focus more on what the song is actually about and, and i hope you do just because i think it, it add a whole new nuance to to the conversation but i think uh, you know if we wanted to kind of do an offshoot discussion about how these lyrics could apply to, to some other situations i think this particular verse for me provided that opportunity and i, I thought it would interesting to explore that yeah no you 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 took it to a macro level that mm -hmm. um i hadn't really taken the time to look at just yet whenever i i've read the lyrics to this this song i always get really um kind of tunnel visioned into its world and it's this very kind of narrow world so I, I tried to kind of pull myself out a little bit um and for me this is very much about trying to get out of a bad situation you put yourself in dreaming about it trying to manifest it but it's not gone yet um yeah. you know inches from my face rem reminds them reminds right there again um 
I've spoken before about how I think it's, you know, we've talked about how I, I thought it was about a prostitute trying to get out of the game. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a tale of getting out of a bad situation that maybe you needed when you were in a state that warranted that situation's risk, but it isn't about that. It's about the time between being in and out where you are trying to get out. Uh, that moment when you know you can't sustain that lifestyle anymore. And, it, and all of this could apply to what you just said and just, just substitute the pronouns. How we are in this, we've recognized we're in this, how do we get out of this um, bad situation? And I mean, you could, if you want to stay micro again, you could talk about um, drug use or alcohol or sex or gambling, any number of vices. But most of all, I think the most commonly um, attributed way or most common uh, analog would be a bad relationship. And, 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 you know, going into a relationship that you know probably isn't healthy for you, being in it because you thought that's what you needed, and then recognizing that it's wrong and thinking, how the fuck do I get out of this? And that's what this song for me is about, recognizing that you made a choice to be in a situation and then you are in it and it's really hard to get out of it, but at least at that moment you recognize. That's the first thing is acceptance, realization, and then planning, how do I get out of this situation? Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like most of us have been in some form of this at some point. I don't want to assume that you've all been night walkers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies of the night, men of the night, who knows? Um, I mean, but that 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 is a relationship right there. Um, no. a, you're, 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 you're in a relationship with the job that is in temporary relationships with many people. And that is a lifestyle that's that one might like, and that's fine. Um, not legal in this country as of yet, as of the recording of the show in 2021, the year of our Lord. And, <laughs> um, it, but you know, in, in a bad relationship, um, at a certain point, you have to recognize that it's not healthy for you. Yeah. And you got to figure out how to get out. And I think there are a lot of songs about this is a bad relationship. This sucks. Or that was a bad relationship. That sucked. You suck. Um, but how many are about the moment when you realize that you made a choice to be in it, you accept that, you take responsibility for it, and but now you're trying to find a way to get out of it. You're trying to find a way to wash yourself of the dirty situation that you've created for yourself. And if you want to say that's micro and talk about you in a relationship or a vice, or if you want to go macro, like Paul mentioned, and talk about our society, our community, and how we've created a system where people are flooding our parks with tents um you know by the way i've been in other cities recently and it's there too not as bad necessarily but it's it's really bad in seattle by the way was there a couple months ago it's really bad like it's like a zombie apocalypse wow the amount of people that are actually out in the streets are that without actual addresses to their name um but anyways uh washing yourself of a bad dirty situation I think the way that this song is played, I think that G minor to G thing is so, um, I'm sorry, it, it it goes from a, what is it? It's a G something to a G minor. And then the chorus is a G major and it completely changes the whole tone. But it's basically just that. We talked about droning riffs with garden and release. This is kind of a droning riff too in G minor. So there's something about those early days where they just found 
something to stick to and let the other band members kind of work around and then add just doing his thing. And yeah. this is a lovely example that uh, I have had the pleasure of hearing live, but I wish I heard it more. Do not disagree, my friend. Let's, with that, go to our live card of the week. Ready? That live card of the week is damn near 30 years old. Where are we going? We're going to Amsterdam. Ooh. February 12th. Yeah, well, hey, there you go. <laughs> and I can't help but look, look, you listen to this version, and I think that it's it's appropriate. And and I think that the the performance, first of all, it Green Habits, the or Green Habit, pardon me, the compilation that generated what many think are the best versions of, of so many Pearl Jam songs. Pre uh, what is it? Pre uh, oh god i want to say it's pre-riot act maybe i have to go back it's about check. the time but, yeah uh, in any case uh, they went with this version as well it's a great version it's actually not my favorite version we had this discussion pre-show mm-hmm. but it's close it's a really really good one uh, it's a stellar performance in a, in a perfectly suited and suitable setting for the uh, the uh, themes of the song uh, so i would say we should go to amsterdam but before we do that i just want to mention that uh, there is a uh, there's a series of discs, these imported live Pearl Jam discs that came out. If you ever wanted like bootlegs, right? You can go to a, a record store or a music store with used stuff, and you sometimes peruse the CDs and and you'd find these imported live Pearl Jam song uh, discs, right? And most of the time they're audience recordings, but every once in a while you would get a really cool soundboard. And so I came across this outstanding one. It was called Pearl Jam. Alive on stage. And if you actually go to disc discogs.com, you can find that version. Uh, it's called Pearl Jam Alive on Stage. And it was a, a German release in 1992. And for the most part, it's all pink pop 92. But the, the one song on here, it, it's called Wash My Love. First of all, that was an error. But also the last songs are listed as as uh I think it's uh, black and once, but it's it's actually not true. Uh it's actually leash in once. So if you, <laughs> that is the other cool, cool aspect of the, the import. But the version of Wash on here is outstanding. And it's not from Pink Pop because they didn't play that song at Pink Pop. And uh, it's from, according to the disc, USA 92. <laughs> what the hell does <laughs> Some, that mean? Somewhere in the USA, this version was played. So if you own that import, uh, go check out wash my love <laughs> because wash. i honest, i honestly think it's arguably the the, the the coolest version of the song that you'll hear um it's just a great performance of it that said though uh not everybody has access to that and who the hell knows when it was played and where so <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna 30, go to amsterdam instead <laughs> 30 31 performances of wash in 1992 in total how many of those were in uh, the U.S. I have to go back and check my uh, PJ Stat Tracker or LiveFootsteps.org or something like that. Yeah. So I don't know. I tried finding it for us, but uh, I couldn't find we, it. We you know could what? not locate it. But that, that, that's, B, that, that's, a 1B B yeah, that's a 1B. That's a 1B. Back to 1B. So we're going to uh, Amsterdam on February 12th, 1992.
It's an audience recording, but it's damn good quality. And I think like we said before, you know, this is a, a simple song that allows Ed to elevate. But because there are those simplicities, it allows Mike to kind of be Mike every once in a while. And he has such really cool fills in this version. I, I love how Ed sings the last verse, especially. He adds in that little hell yeah right at the end there. <laughs> just really cool. That delivery is just so smooth. I don't think I've ever heard him say that in any other version before. And this is a really tight performance. It sounds great. You can't go wrong with that. And the ending this is key. The ending does not go on forever, which sometimes they have done before. I'm like, okay, we can, we can, we can, we're good now. We're good. So all in all, a a fantastic um, version. Green habit was not wrong and uh, a lovely one B Paul. Yeah. 
I want, I, if you, if, if you own this disc and you can help me figure out <laughs> where this song, because to me, I think this is, first of all, it's the best Ball sounding version. For, it, it, it's already, it's, it, it's, it's a, it's a plague, Jason, in my mind. Anyway. Anyway, we'll bounce, we'll bounce that to the uh, the listeners. There you go. Um, speaking of bouncing to the listeners, please again uh, rate, review, subscribe, write a review, and we will read it on the show. Um, we thank you for listening, as always. We love you guys out there, and all the comments on Facebook and Instagram. So please keep it up. Send us messages. Tell us how you're doing. Hey, if you're coming to Ohana, let us know, because um, we want to say hi. A, you might see a Jason or a Paul there. Yeah. Or maybe a Jason and a Paul. Oh, oh tease. Well, until next week's uh, second 10 Appreciation Month episode, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.